I'm singing this note because it fits in well with the chords I'm playing. I can't pretend there's any meaning hidden in the things I'm saying, but I'm in tune, right in tune. I'm in tune and I'm going to tune right in on you, right in on you, right in on you. You, Shawnee, how you doing, buddy? Doing well, man. Thanks for choosing this song. Uh, the Who's a Great Band. Uh, that's a song called Getting in Tune from their 1971 album, Who's Next? Joe chose those lyrics. Um, uh, I wanted you to read them tonight. You're going to be tweaking some things here and there, but I want to, you know, it's nice when you choose your own lyrics and you get to read them too. Um, Why did you choose these lyrics, sir? You know, I've loved this song since I was, uh, I told you, I have my oldest sibling was 11 years older than I. And um, from the time I'm six years old, five, six, seven years old, I'm hearing this, this, the who and the stones and the Beatles, I'm hearing a lot of this stuff. And I could just remember this song just embedded in my brain. I never really thought too much about the lyrics. I always just took it real, just superficially, like, I guess him talking about getting in tune is like, um, you know, falling in love with a with a certain woman or something like that. It was, you know, there's some reference to that. But as I investigate the lyrics and research the lyrics a little more thoroughly, it is a lot more there. A matter of fact, a lot of the meaning of the lyrics is still kind of ambiguous. There are a couple different theories about what's going on here. Um, the first thing is that um, Peter Townsend he was having a personal conflict between the life he was leading as a rock star, you know, the hedonistic party and, and promiscuity and that kind of stuff. He was, he was having problems uh, between that and his need for spirituality and how those two things were, you know, they were um, hard to jive. They were hard to balance. So um, that's one angle. The other angle is just uh, he was just tuning one day, just tuning up. And I don't know if you've ever seen the Seinfeld episode where they're in a Chinese restaurant and they're making the whole show out of the just the minutia of standing around. Well, he decided to make a, a song out of the minutia of just sta standing around trying to get in tune. You know, uh, I thought that was that I thought that was pretty cool that, uh, you know, I'm singing this note because it's not for any reason other than it fits in well with the chords I'm playing right now, because I'm just trying to get in tune. So that's why I'm singing it. You know, uh, I can't pretend there's any meaning hidden within the things I'm saying right here. I'm just trying to get in tune. So he just took that minutia and made a song out of it. I think that was that was really, really neat. There's another angle that another critic said that he believes that the band, that the ba they were using the idea of a band tuning up, right? Get, trying to get themselves in tune as a metaphor for creating harmony between diverse social groups. I thought that was pretty neat. That's also another theory. Townsend has never really uh, come out and he was never able to be pinned down on his, I think he wanted it this way, that it's somewhat of an enigma. Uh, but in essence, what most people believe is that uh, the conflict that Peter Townsend was having between, you know, the wildlife and his need for spirituality, A, and B, just the overall power of music socially and spiritually. That's what I found when I started to dive into researching the lyrics. Now, we back off all that stuff. And I don't know if you had a chance to listen to the song. I did. I listened to it like a couple of times today. I like it. It's just a I, fantastic I've, I've actually song. seen, I saw the Who live in Philadelphia when I was like in college. They were good. Yeah. And that's later on. I mean, can you imagine yeah. seeing them in their heyday? But the song itself is just, and, and it's, it's recognized as like a masterpiece. I didn't know all that either. I just knew that, you know, I dug the who because it was those, those groups were, in, you know, uh, in my brain and implants from, from a very young age. And that's a critical period, if you will. And so uh, I was just, it was, uh, it was neat to find all that out. And I think I've listened to the song about 15 times over the last day because I just wanted to hear it. Um, I like the, the part of the song. Uh, I like the part of the song where he says, I've got it all here in my head. There's nothing more needs to be said. I'm just banging on my old piano. I'm getting in tune to the straight and narrow. 
Like, I just like that simplistic, you know, I've got it all here in my head. There's nothing more that needs to be said. I'm just banging on my piano, just playing the music, you know? Yeah. And I just, I like the line where it's, and I'm going to tune right in on you, the right in on you, the right in on you is still ambiguous because no one's really sure if he's speaking to a woman in that litany or if he's speaking to a higher power. No one's really sure, but it's it's interesting. It's good stuff. Legendary group. You know I love that group. This is the first time I've referenced them, and uh, I'm glad I did. I'm glad you enjoyed it too, my friend. Absolutely, man. Um, so how's everything going with you, man? How was your week? How, you're happy it's Friday? Oh, always happy it's Friday. Um, not happy with the Sixers last night, but that's what we'll get into that later. Um, and I'm not happy <laughs> about a, um, oh, one of our ace pitchers, one of our prospects, this kid painter, and we'll get into it later, but he's showing up with a sore elbow already. <laughs> so it's not good. So anyway, other yeah, than that, you know, not, not the rush in the sports, but like last night, you know, you guys ran to Luca and Kyrie having, you know, awesome games. I mean, Kyrie had 40 and Luca had 42. So that's 82 points between those two superstars. It's tough to compete with. Yeah. And, uh, Big Perk, you know, Perkins, he said also the Sixers didn't get in there till four o'clock in the morning. And, you know, it was it was a lot going on. But, you know, excuses, excuses. But we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see. I'm not writing them off yet. I'm I'm thinking if they get hot, they can have a chance in the East. They got to get red hot, though. So we'll see. And your Knicks, hey, your Knicks are no slouch. They're for real. I know, man. So. They're beating the they're right now. They're beating the heat by five points. Um Good, good game, man. I mean, I, you know, just to do this show, they usually, they play a lot of Mondays and Fridays and that's when we do the show. So it's, it's just a little sacrifice missing those Knicks, but you know, I'll be locked in for the playoffs and everything like that. I'll try to work the schedule a little bit differently if I have to, but. Um, Tony, yeah, you can I mean, also go old school and just record it and not listen to and tell everybody, tell everybody, don't tell me if you know, don't tell me. I know, that's what we I used know. to do. Yeah. I know. But then like, I don't know, it throws off my whole night because then I'm like behind on that game. Then if I want to open up the sports app and somehow I'm going to come across the score regardless and it'll be spoiled, but... um, You'll find a way. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. So I went to the movies last night. I saw the new Creed, Creed movie. Uh, if you don't know anything about it, it's kind of like a spinoff of the Rocky movies. Um, it's Apollo Creed's son, Adonis Creed, played by Michael B. Jordan. Mm-hmm. I wasn't crazy about the first two, but this one was really good. I liked it a lot. Um, and one of my favorite up and coming actors was in it, Jonathan Majors. Um, this guy is going to be a superstar. I mean, he's the villain in the Marvel universe now. He's the he's the conqueror. Um, he was in a yeah, movie called Devotion. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's been in like three really good movies that I've seen. Devotion, Ant Man was okay. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of Marvel movies, but this movie Creed, he played a hell of a role. And it was it was one of those movies that I was like frustrated because like Rocky's supposed to be the hero, Creed's supposed to be the hero. But in this movie, I was conflicted because the story was, and you find it, I'm not giving any spoilers away, you find this out in the previews. Um, Michael B. Jordan was in a group home as a child. And as a child, he was really good friends, like best friends with this guy, Damien. And Damien got arrested, but he got arrested basically because Michael B. Jordan's character, Adonis Creed, like attacked this guy who had wronged him in the past. Um, and then... Damien like defends him and pulls out a gun and the cops come and Michael B. Jordan's character runs away and Damien's left holding the gun and gets arrested and spends 18 years in prison. Mm. But before Damien went to prison, he was, he was the the youngest up and coming gold gloves boxer, the top ranked amateur boxer in like the world. Um, He was really up and coming. And then Michael B. Jordan's character obviously became a, a world heavyweight champion boxer. So Damien's in prison for all these years and he's wondering you know, why didn't his best buddy, like, why didn't he keep in touch with him? So he gets out of prison and he's like, you know, what's going on, man? And you see this in the preview. He basically says, he's like, man, it was, what's, you know, you know what it's like, like being in a prison and being in a box and watching someone else live your life. He was supposed to be heavyweight champion. He was supposed to be rich. He was supposed to be famous. And wow. so you find yourself, usually in these movies, you kind of root against the villain or whoever Apollo's opponent, or whoever Apollo's, uh, Adonis, Adonis Creed's opponent is, Apollo's son. And whoever Rocky's uh, opponent is, you're supposed to root for like th- those guys. But in this movie, I was like, man, I think I'm rooting for Damien because he got screwed. You know what I mean? Like, you know, this guy didn't get arrested that day. He ran away and then he becomes this world champion. 
not saying that Damien wouldn't have got arrested anyway and his life wouldn't have been upturned, but you know, you don't know that stuff. So I found myself rooting for kind of the villain in this. He's supposed to be the villain, but he's not really like a villain, right? Right. Um, I would too. I would, I would root for him too in that scenario. Yeah. So it was a, it was a good, and I love Jonathan Majors and he played a great role. I think they could have, they could have done, they could have had more scenes with him and Adonis, but it was fine. The movie was about two hours. So it was long enough, I guess. Um, Not going to give away the ending obviously and who won the fight and all that stuff, but um, very good movie. I I rank it actually an 8.1. I really enjoyed it. That's how much I liked it. I don't really go in the eights a lot unless I really like a movie. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this movie and I'll probably see it again. At least, you know, not enough I'll see it again in the movies, but maybe I'll see it when it comes out and stream it and enjoy it again. That, it was that good. I liked it that much. Um, I saw the first one. I haven't. I, I liked it. I was, you know, I saw the first one. I thought it's pretty cool. Um, there was even some Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes in there somewhere um, in that movie. There was a song um, by Harold Melvin and Blue Notes. And it's local ties and everything. I saw the first one and I just never got around to seeing the second one. So don't tell me anything because I'm way behind in that. I do want to see it, though both of them no yeah i'm not gonna give away everything i just told you is all in the trailer by the way so i'm gonna mm. give away any spoilers cool um and then i'm really hyped up you know the band lincoln park joe i've heard of them yeah so they're like an awesome band and they're the lead singer chester bennington c- committed suicide a couple years ago so that was tragic and uh-huh. one of my biggest regrets is never seeing them live because i thought i had the rest of like my life you know because they're like around my age i'm like oh, i can see lincoln park when i get a chance you know always wanted to see him and then chester killed himself so that's that hurt me a lot and felt bad for him. He had, he had a family and kids and everything. It was really tragic. Yeah. But anyway, they had a 2003 album called Meteora. And they had like seven tracks they didn't put on the album for whatever reason. And they're, they're releasing like a 20th anniversary of Meteora with those seven tracks. But they released one of those tracks. And I, I think I heard it first on Howard Stern Show because Mike Shinoda was on the Stern Show last week or two weeks ago. Um, great guy. Seems like an awesome guy. Very talented. But... Mm-hmm. This song called Lost, they they released. Oh my, what a song. And I can't believe that it's been hidden all these years and it wasn't ever released. Like it just shows you how good a band they were. But I definitely think they should have released it because I, I listened to this song probably I'm not lying when I say this. I probably listened to the song 20 times today. No joke. Uh, that's how much I like it. Because when I like something, I I you know I play I play to death, you know. <laughs> I play yeah. that song over and over, you know, on repeat. So sure, sure. Um, and a good yeah. band. Yeah, Lincoln Park's awesome, but um, uh, yeah. So, what's your plan tomorrow, man? What's your game plan for your cheat meal? Let's let's get ahead of the game this time. We usually ask you after, but are you are you planning for TV again, Taco Bell? You know, I, I, right now it's up, still up in the air, undetermined. I, I think I'm gonna gonna wait till tomorrow afternoon sometime to make that, you know, make that determination. It's, it's funny that you ask because, and right around the time. That I want to, I want to think I want to make a move. I might get some pizza. I might get some, uh, some Five Guys or something like that. I might go to the diner and have it just a regular, like a you know a turkey mashed potatoes stuffing and that kind of thing. I might do that. So I don't know. So yeah. I don't think I'm going to go to TV tomorrow though. But don't don't hold me to that Are you either. Starting to get sick of it. <laughs> uh, sick of it. I don't know about sick of it, but yeah, I get you. I'm starting to get a little bit like you know move away for a while. And then when you come back, it's, you know, it, it's better. <laughs> so, yeah. um, Did you hear about any of the stories? There's, there's been a lot of dead whales washing up on the uh, beaches of New York and New Jersey. 11 dead whales have washed up since um, since December 5th. Um, yeah, I've seen that I, on I don't the know news. What's going on, man? Um, they think it's boating accidents. The which... whale was the one whale was found by the water's edge. Uh, seaside park this one was in seaside um yeah they're they're examining the carcass so they don't know but this one was a humpback whale i didn't even know like there was humpback whales in our area you know what i mean i thought it was just like random other types of whales yeah i didn't either and uh, i the one thing i did take away from the news that they said because i'm thinking to myself too what's going on is something in the water or something Uh, they think a lot of it is just just boat strikes which in and of itself is, is a is a drag too when you think about it yeah. i mean these animals are just minding their own business and you know have you ever uh been on a boat <laughs> yeah like 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 what's like the biggest boat you've been on like a cruise ship uh, a yacht uh you know that, that the big furry boats they run out of cape may and run it over to delaware i used oh, to take on a week yeah. 
I used to take the kids if they were well behaved. I would tell, okay, if you're well behaved this week, I'll take it. And so maybe um, once, once, maybe once every two months or so, three or four times a year, I would take them because it was you can't do that every week. Um, but I would say if you're really good, I'd use use it as motivation, and I would take them. I'd take them to uh, you know over to lose Delaware, and uh, but that whole thing was uh, you know kids. It's it's a little bit of a thrill for adults, but when you're a kid, they really got a kick out of it. So yeah, yeah and they're huge. I don't know if you can get much bigger than that unless you're talking about a you know military yeah. boat or something. I've actually, when I was younger, I went to I went to Maine a couple times on vacation, uh, Bar Harbor specifically, and I went whale watching. And uh, whale watching is pretty fun, man. Being so close to the, the ship gets so close to the whales in the water. Uh, and then I became obsessed with whales as a child. I had my, like my mom was buying me a bunch of like little whale fig, like action figure and figurines of whales. I had them all over like my shelf and everything. So <laughs> I just, I've always been fascinated by whales. Whales are amazing creatures. They are. Uh, one of the things I used to do too is it was down the shores, down in Cape May, but it was like, okay, not the ferry boat, but there are jetties that go out pretty far out there, you know, you know, fairly far. And I would take the kids and we'd walk out to the end of the jetties. And a lot of times, especially around, you know, late in the afternoon, you could just look out from the edge of the jetty. You could look out for maybe 50, 60 feet and you could see a school of dolphins just coming by. Yeah. You know how they pop up yep. and the kids would be like, oh, look, oh, because, you know, it's it's pretty neat stuff when you're that close to nature, you know, yeah. that close to something. Well, so. You want to talk about being close to nature, man. I've, I've gone swimming with dolphins in, in uh, Key Largo, Florida. Wow. Uh, swam right with the dolphins. It was pretty, they're you like when you're, once you're in the water with them, they're a lot bigger once you're right near them. It's kind of scary. They had these big teeth. Yeah. Um, and I was like, this is exciting, but it's also scary. So if you ever get a chance, Joe, I'm telling you, man, try to go swimming with the dolphins because it's like you'll have a no, whole new perspective. Like you were that close with these amazing creatures and they're they're really friendly. Like, um, man, it's fun. And they're powerful, too. You know, I don't know if it's true or not, but I heard that sometimes dolphin, a dolphin can kill bigger fish, you know, bigger sharks or even a whale. Yeah. Small way. They yeah. can because they guess, you know. There was an episode of The Simpsons um, about like dolphins have like these like they could like they started they put like these things in the dolphin's head or something like that. And the dolphins could like talk like humans. And then the dolphins eventually came out of the sea and like tried to like kill the humans or something. It was like, crazy. <laughs> it was yeah. wild, Simpsons always has wild stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, but I'll never forget that episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what cartoons as a child did you watch? You watch any? Yeah. Um, on Saturday mornings, I Scooby Doo. Um, uh, you know, and you know, besides the main ones, though, really, were the weekday was ones you'd see all the time doing the Bugs Bunny, uh, Road Runner, uh, Yosemite Sam. Um, trying like to think of a lot of Looney Tunes stuff. Yeah, used to love that kind of stuff, and like you never I remember Flintstones. What Flintstones ever? Yes, yes, of course, Flintstones. Yes. Okay. Yeah, man. Um, and I didn't know. Fun fact about the Flintstones is uh, they were, I don't know which came from. I think the Flintstones. Yeah, it was the show. The Honeymooners was an inspiration for the cartoon um, Flintstones. And I didn't know that. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wait, the Honeymooners. Jackie Gleason and, and so forth. In, uh, honey, yeah, I remember because my, my mom used to like love that show. Um, she was cracking up at that show when I was younger. Um yeah, the one like the father was like some like kind of like big overweight obese guy, right? <laughs> yeah, Jackie Gleason. Yeah, and he used so that, to say, that inspired uh, the Flintstones. Yeah, the Flintstones was sort of like a cartoon animated version of that, and I did not know that. And I swear to you, you can look it up. I can, uh, you know, so, and it makes sense though when you're there are some parallels, you know. So That's it's pretty wild. neat. Yeah. yeah, we learn something new every day. Yeah, there you go. Um, interesting. Cool, cool. Um, all right, so let's move on to our actor. If you have anything else to say, Joe, anything, anything to say? You're good. Not for the moment. No. Okay, cool. All right, so this is your actor, sir. You surprised me with this one. Um, the man's <laughs> name is Wallace Sean. Not spelled like my name, S E A N. Spelled S H A W N. So growing up, I always thought my spelling was the real spelling, S E A N. <laughs> right. I thought anybody named Sean that was spelled differently was not. It was not because I think the real Irish way to spell it 
is uh, S-E-A-N. Anyway, I digress. Let's talk about this man. Uh, he was born November 12th, 1943. Born in New York City. His mom was a journalist and his dad was a renowned longtime editor of The New Yorker. Uh, family's Jewish. He's got a brother who's a composer, sister who's severely autistic, who lives in an institution. Um, he attended Harvard. So he's obviously a pretty smart guy. He got his Bachelor of Arts there, studied philosophy and politics and economics. Kind of like me. I, I studied political science and philosophy, too. Um, he also studied Latin at Magdalen College in Oxford. Uh, he wanted to become a diplomat. Then he traveled to India as an English teacher. Um then he taught Latin in Manhattan, but since 1979, he be, he's made his living as an actor. Um, so pretty cool, pretty interesting story. Um, he claims he was born into a life of privilege. That was interesting. When I was reading his IMDb profile, it's like he was born in the privilege. I never, I don't really see that a lot in actors' profiles, like born in the privilege. So I thought he might have told somebody to write that just to let people know that, you know, he came from privilege. I guess, I don't know. Well, he was ballsy enough to admit it, you know. Exactly. I like that. I respect it. I do, too. Um, so he started doing theater in 1970, um, but he didn't really make it big or do anything special until 1979. <laughs> he debuted in a Woody Allen film. He played Diane Keaton's ex-husband. Um, I think the movie was called Manhattan or something like that. I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of like he's been a, he's he's basically a character actor. A lot of people mm-hmm. if you see a picture of him. I guarantee if anybody listening to this, Google Wallace Shawn, you're gonna be like, oh, I know <laughs> this guy. Um, he's this goofy looking little bald guy. Um, he's been a voice actor in a lot of stuff, including Toy Story, mm-hmm. and Bojack Horseman. Um, I remember him actually from a lot of stuff, but one thing I remember him for, um, he was in Gossip Girl. Um, and he said he was surprised that he got to play a regular human being in Gossip Girl because he never gets cast as a, a, a normal human being. He always gets cast as like a character kind of creepy guy or something. Right. <laughs> kind of funny. Um, he says he grew up in a specialized environment. I guess that was part of the privilege. So he doesn't know how to act like a real person. Um, he he says he knows he's a character actor and he thinks they are partially human. Like they're not, they're not legitimate, like real actors and <laughs> right. just character actors. So he's kind of being self-deprecating. Um, he said he's always been like a very an old man. He said even as a, a young age, he's been like an old man. He's very rigid and didn't have a lot of fun. He admits that. Um, he's best known. I never heard of this movie. Now I want to watch it because I was watching. I was watching a lot of scenes from this movie. It's it's very interesting. Um, My dinner with Andre. Never saw it. Oh man, dude, this is this is just a conversation between two guys in a restaurant, and they talk about awful lot. It's almost like our episode two deep thoughts. They're going over like these deep things in life. It's a very interesting movie, man. I think you'd enjoy it. I just watched a couple of scenes on YouTube because he's known from that movie as the guy who says inconceivable. When you see people see him in public, they're like inconceivable. Yeah. Um, and he's I'm also going to have to check it out. Yeah, he's also in The Princess Bride. So both movies, I didn't see either of those. Um, he said he speaks and thinks very slowly. And he was in a movie called The Double with Jesse Eisenberg. And the, the, uh, the director wanted him to speak fast. So that was kind of a different change of pace for him. Um, the movies that he's been in that I really know him from, uh, Meteor Man, The Meteor Man from 1993, House Arrest from 1996. I think I saw House Arrest from my mother in Florida. We used to go to Florida like a lot of summers. Uh, Vegas Vacation, can't forget that. Duplex with Ben Stiller. Damages was a great show, Glenn Close. Gossip Girl, The Double, The Good Wife. So he's been in a lot of good TV shows. He's, a, he's really a character actor and he makes a lot of appearances on a lot of good shows, but he's never really recurring. Like he said, he doesn't get a lot of recurring roles. Um, he was in Mr. Robot, most Mozart in the Jungle. That was an Amazon Prime show. A good movie on Netflix called Marriage Story. He's in your show, Joe, The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, um, and Search Party. So basically, he's in a, a lot of stuff that I've seen him in personally um, was was TV shows. So like, what made you think of Wallace Shawn to choose for Actor of the Week? Well, I've I've been I've been not I've been kind of stretching the rules a little bit lately and going with and we're allowed to do it we make up the rules but i've been going with more known actors it's hard to stay with a full diet of like you know not to say b actors but you know like you said you know character actors and so forth. so i wanted to do one that really really fit our description and our criteria okay so i really wanted to do one and here's a guy that i have seen on, in movies and in television all my life, all my life in so many different things. And he's really an endearing little fella. He really is. He has a pronounced lisp, 
but he embraces it. And I'm going to tell you, I don't really hear a lisp when I, when he's speaking, I don't, he, it's there, but I, I'm so used to him that he would not be himself if that lisp wasn't there. So it's a good thing for him. It's worked for him. It's part of who he is. So uh, that, and the fact that longevity, he's just been around for so long. Uh, I just admire him and he fits the bill and I'll give you my, and he's never been anything earth shattering. He's, you know, but he's just, you know, that, that war of attrition, he's always been there. And those are the kind of people that when we can, we really like to the spotlight. Now, uh, as you stated he's been in television just as much as he's been in the movies right so actually i'm going to do my uh, top five list i'm going to count from five down to one my fifth is actually from a tv show uh regardless of what we think about anybody or any situation but the cosby show was a hell of a tv show with a long run and he was a friend of the huxtable family uh, and he was just a really a good character there i can remember him from being on there number four is clueless now, he's been in Clueless, the movie, and the TV series. He played Mr. Hall. He's been, he was in, he played a quirky fella in a movie called The Cemetery Club, which was an interesting movie. And he's been in the Toy Story series. He's, um, he's the, the voice, voice of Rex. Now, if he's, you can say, well, it's not really accurate. Well, it is kind of because you're vocal. And not yeah, only that, he's been in several of them, not just one. You got me thinking because a lot of times we choose actors and a lot of these guys do voice acting, but I usually try not to like, not say we can't put it in our top five, but I'm like, you know what? They're just voice acting. So we have to really think about like, I'm, I'm not challenging. You I, I follow you. No, I follow you. I'm, Sean. I'm thinking like, we have to really think about it. Like is voice acting acting? It's a whole different style, but this guy, well, that's one of his specialties. So I don't mind that you're choosing this at all as a voice. You know, right. And I'm, you know what? Because you're right. I had the same thought. But what 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 really gave me the green light is he was not only in one Toy, toy Story movie. He's been in several, if not all of them. So that's why I did that. Now, number one is a <laughs> Number one is a movie, uh, one of my favorite movies, really. It's called Heaven Help Us. <laughs> and he played a character, Father Abruzzi. And if you've seen Heaven Help Us with with um, with Dylan, uh, I think it was Matt Dylan or his brother. Um, but it, there were a lot of actors in that that we know. But it was about uh, a Catholic school for boys in the 1950s in New York. I'm not sure if it was Brooklyn or the Bronx or whatever. Dude, this, this movie seems right in my wheelhouse. Like I'm reading, <laughs> I, I didn't even know. I'm reading it right now as you said it. It says a new transfer student to St. Basil's Boys Prep School tries to fit in while romantically pursuing a troubled young girl. Uh, like, that's a type of, like, as I went to a prep school myself, not like uh, a boarding school. Right. I went to an all boys one. So I'm always fascinated by when people make movies about the, the dynamic of prep schools and stuff. Um, but Donald oh, you've Trump, never seen it? No, it looks like Donald Sutherland's in it, Andrew McCarthy, John yeah. Hurd, Kev, Kevin Dillon. That's that's Matt Dillon's. Kevin, guy. right. He was in, he's famous for Entourage um Wallace you've Jones, never I, seen this one sean dude i'm you know i was born in 86 this came out in 85 man give me a break <laughs> no no i'm not don't say it like that i'm saying that, uh, i don't even know i'm just busting your balls but you know i haven't seen it bro no <laughs> oh please dude you are gonna love this it's it's a, you're gonna be rolling on the floor okay, i'm telling it's on, you it's on hbo max so i might mess around and watch it later right <laughs> <laughs> all right do that <laughs> all right but th there it is so Five was Cosby, uh, the Cosby show. Four was Clueless movie and TV series. Three, Cemetery Club, about uh, four widows in the Pittsburgh area in a Jewish neighborhood in the 1950s. It's, it's a really interesting, Danny Aiello's in it. It's a good, it's a good movie. Uh, two is the Toy Story series. And one was Heaven Help Us. He played Father of Bruzy. And there it is. Absolutely, man. Good list. Um, it's actually it. funny because like I'm reading sometimes people go on Reddit, famous actors, mm -hmm. they do AMAs, you know, AMA. Ask me anything, AMA stands for, I'm pretty sure. Um, so he says, Inconceivable. I am actor Wallace Sean, AMA. You might know me as Vizzini from Princess Bride or Dr. Sturgis and Young Sheldon. Um, but he's he basically they go on these things sometime and they tell people they can ask him any question they want. They open it up to the, the public. So someone asked him a question, he's like, How you doing? That type of thing. Um, he says, I remember you from my dinner with Andre. He says, I never heard about this, but he apparently they're doing a, my dinner with Andre sequel. That's what he says. 
And I haven't heard this in the news at all. So this is interesting. Just learning this now. This was a year ago that he said this. Um, so yeah, he's just, he's answering a bunch of questions. So he seems like a type of guy, you know, celebrities don't always like to like deal with the public, but right. this guy's not super famous. He's a normal type guy. Um, but he, uh, he answered some, some uh, fans questions. This is pretty cool. I like when, I like when the, uh, the actors and famous people do the ask me anything things on, um, on Reddit. It's pretty cool. Right. And you know what else I forgot to mention? What? There's a TV show called um, Young Sheldon. It's about the character from yeah, the Big yeah, Bang. He's, he's Dr. Yeah. Sturgis, he says, yeah. Yeah, he's in that. He's got a, a regular role in that, too. So he's still around, still around and been around forever. And he should get some props. So it says, interesting. He says he doesn't own a TV. So interesting fact about Wallace Shawn. There you go. Uh, um, yeah. Interesting guy. Unique. He's definitely unique looking. He's very uh, he's interesting looking. Right. If you know people, they call people quirky. Yeah. I would say that he's quirky looking, right? All right, and his voice is unmistakable. And I, it, like I said, he embraces it. He, he wouldn't be him without that lisp. And he, he just he, and he makes it work. It's just, it's part of who, who he Vegas is. Vacation? Did you see Vegas Vacation? I may have, but I, I can't. Chevy remember. Chase, where he takes his family to, to Vegas. And oh, I, yeah, there were a couple of three, four of those, weren't there? Well, this so. one was made in '97, but I think Wallace Shawn's role in that, if I, if I remember correctly. Um, I think he plays a dealer. Yeah, he plays a dealer at the casino. And dude, you have to watch this. Just, if, if you don't watch the movie, go go on YouTube and watch it. I'll send you the link. I'll try to find it. Uh, but he plays a really snarky dealer who's like messing with the guy. <laughs> the guy keeps losing his money and stuff or whatever. Right. Um, he plays a pretty good role. So he's always playing those like funny, quirky character type roles. So yeah, I like, you know, I don't think he's A-list. He's definitely not A-list. He's definitely not B-list. He's probably lower level C and D list, but that's not that's not the point. He's he's a well known guy that's got a lot of longevity. He's been around for a while. He's interesting. Seems like a nice, interesting, cool guy that we could talk about. So, you know, why oh, not yeah. spotlight him? You know what I mean? Well, that's the whole. That actually, Sean, that was primarily the whole idea is to get more guys like him and less like the bigger ones. But you know what? It's hard to do sometimes. So, but yeah, the idea that he's a, when you tell me he's even less than a, like a like a C actor, I hit a bullseye because that's kind of what, what we started to do was we wanted to try to get these, you know these the guys that were in the back row and you know the guys that weren't necessarily and i say guys i mean the guys and gals or whatever so uh this is he's more he fits the bill more he checks more boxes of what we wanted than let's say a denzel washington even because we wanted not anywhere near as good as an actor but for our criteria we wanted to shed some light on those who the light hasn't you know shown on so yeah all right man let's move on to uh First of all, shout out to Wallace Shawn, sir. I know you yes, don't sir. own a TV, mister, but uh, maybe you own a phone and maybe somehow you come across our podcast. My dude. That'd be cool. All right. So Snapple Fact 1423. Joe, you chose this one. It's a flip coin is more likely to land on the side it started on. Um, yeah. And it's interesting. And there's a lot of different reasons for it. They say it, one big reason is because um, it's kind of like people when they they toss a Frisbee, it depends what you're your thumbs do. Um, so coins flip from a thumb don't merely rotate around their axis, but they also spin like a Frisbee. So whatever people are doing with their thumb when they flip the coin, because um, when people throw a Frisbee, the longer the sides uh, facing up stays facing up when the coin is in the air, uh, the longer the sign stays facing up, the better chance it will land that way. Um, so they're kind of comparing it to, you know, just to not give you a long, boring, minute reasons here, but it's kind of has to do with your thumb um and they say it's about 51 percent of the time as much as 55 percent to 60 percent that the coin lands in the side it started on it's really the honestly though it depends on the flipping motion of the individual so you know it depends on the thumb and that type of stuff but pretty interesting snap effect they, they kind of figured out that the flip coin more likely to land on the side it starts on so yeah, yeah. i was just surprised because i just you're talking about you're talking about a 50 50 proposition i mean you really are man that's what it is it's one side or the other but come to find out through those variables that you just you know explained it's not really a 50 50 proposition it's pretty pretty interesting you know yeah, so if, if you flip a penny because penny penny is abraham lincoln um that's my dude um, his his head the side with lincoln's head on it is a bit heavier than the flip side so it causes the coin's center of mass to lie slightly towards heads 
because uh, the the spinning coin fly, tends to fall on the heavier side. So um, yeah, that ha- that's with pennies, I guess. You know, so there's always, yeah. it's funny how like we live in such a world where people have so much time on their hands to research stuff like that. There are people like they give you like scientific reasons of how a coin flips. You know what I mean? I know it's crazy. Uh, all right. It's neat though. Weren't you surprised to to, to hear that? You know, yeah, that was a cool one. Yep. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's do the on the real man. What you got? All right. You're a tough customer, man. Let me see here. <clears throat> all right. Number one. The first ever dry car wash opens in Dusseldorf, Germany. First ever dry car wash opens in Dusseldorf, Germany. That's one. Two, woman finds $62,000 in an old board game. The game was sorry, believe it or not. Woman finds $62,000 in an old board game. Number three, a clam found off the coast of Florida is believed to be 214 years old clam found off the coast of florida is believed to be 214 years old okay all right so we got dry car wash in germany we got the 214 year old clam and a woman finds sixty thousand dollars in the sorry board game right yep all right all right, so the sorry board game, my first instinct is to say, man, Joe's done stuff like this before. We've both done it where someone finds a lot of money in some random thing, but sometimes the number is too high. But maybe Joe found something that's a lower number. He's messing with me. He knows I'm going to think like this. So therefore, he's going to use it because I'm not going to think it's real. I'm thinking that too. <laughs> um, the dry car wash is interesting. I'm not going to grow. I'm not going to, I'm not going to pry for clues here. I'm just thinking about a dry car wash and what the hell that involves. Dry car wash. Dry car wash how can <laughs> i'm just trying to think how you can possibly wash your car if it's dry car uh, it's the technology it's you know i, I i'm not going to say anything else yeah but they have they have phone cleaners it's called like phone soap you put your phone in it cleans your phone so that ex- i know the technology does exist on a small scale level um the clam 214 years old that's that one's i'm leaning towards that but i haven't chosen it yet let me think 214 year old clam where was the clam you said off the coast of florida okay wow i don't think uh all right i'm just gonna say it i think the clam one's real oh sorry but you are correct sir (laughs) okay (laughs) you are correct good job 2.6 pounds and they're calling it Abraham Lincoln because they were both born in the same year. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty neat stuff. But they they determine that by sort of like the trees and the rings, you know, the rings. There's something like that with where they can just determine very easily the age of a clam. And, um, you know, they were surprised. But uh, good work, young man. Thank you, sir. Yep. Yeah, we're, I think we're both learning each other's strategies here. We're getting more fine-tuned with how to choose the correct one i just well, feel i revealed too much of my rationale to you see and now it's coming back to bite me in the ass I, I really thought like <laughs> you kind of throw me off with the starry game i was like he knows that i'm gonna think that's fake because we've been doing a lot of stories or someone finds a lot of money somewhere but i'm like <laughs> you, know, what the hell? you know i don't want to overthink it anyway good yeah. good stuff man yeah all right um brian cober and alex murdoch updates i think i would i started saying murdoch but every station I've been watching, like CNN, MSNBC, all the stations and stuff, and Fox News, any station that's on, they're all pronouncing it differently. Like I don't, I think it's, I think I was right the whole time. I think it's Murdoch. I don't think it's Murdoch. See, the, the O U G H can be a oh, soft it's, it's or a, be, it's A U G H. Oh, is it A U G H? Okay, yeah. because I've known people with the same spelled last name, Doherty and Doherty. I've known people that had the same damn it's spelled exactly the same. One guy calls it Doherty. One guy says Doherty, you know, so. Yeah. Names are names. Exactly. All right. So let's start off with that, man. Something big happened. I got a text from you yesterday around seven o'clock saying guilty four exclamation points. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I guess that's the verdict of the case. Um, so, yeah, the New York Times article says it all. Alex Murdoch sentenced to life in prison. A judge sentenced a disgraced South Carolina lawyer to two consecutive 
life terms without the possibility of parole for the murders of his wife and son. So that pumps me up, right? Justice is served. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it does, but it's just, it's still, you know, it's, it, I, I, it still bothers me, man. It's just, it bothers me. I, I, three words. I'd like to ask him, how could you, you know, because someone was saying, um, how could like you, there, he was talking to like his brother. Cause his brother took the stand too. Mm-hmm. And he, Alex Murdoch was more focused on finding out, um, or what was he more focused on? It was something like, like he was more focused on getting justice, clearing his son's name. Than he was figuring out who killed his wife and son. So that was kind of a red flag. Someone told me that yesterday. They're watching the news and like they're like, he wanted to really find out the story about the boat. He wanted to clear his son's name from the boat accident, basically. His priorities but were way out of whack. To find yeah. out who killed his wife and son. So it was a little weird. Yes. Um, so yeah, basically the jury only took 45 minutes of deliberation to reach, reach an, a unanimous decision. So it only took four. That's really short, man. 45 minutes is nothing. I mean, these juries sometimes take hours and days. Well, and, and, and you know, I, I think everybody watching it with any degree of, of any kind of rationality knew that this cat was guilty. But the questions came up with our system. It's not it's not it's not flawless, our system, but it's the it's the best one in the world. It's still not flawless, though. But we were wondering. Are they going to mess around and be able to murky the, you know, the waters just enough? Yeah. You know, like I said in the last show we talked about, and uh, the jury just wasn't having any any bullshit. So uh, hats off to them, you know. Yeah. And I'm, I'm basically what I'm reading here, it says the prosecution uh, used Murdaugh's lies to convince the jury not to believe a thing this guy says. Because he's got so many lies on record, um, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. So, I I I I do feel for the the kid that's left now. He's he's without his brother. He's Buster, without his mother. Buster, yeah. Buster. He's but you know I I I, I that's got to really mess with his head. Um, Someone was telling me today. I didn't even know this. I don't know where. I don't know the news source that this person got it from. But they were saying something about like. I don't know if he was talking about the murder. Remember someone got hit by a car in 2015 and they said they claimed there was just someone hit them with the car. And that was it. They're like the murderers weren't responsible, but someone was telling me that like mm-hmm. Buster was like friends with my, Buster. This is like me speculating, honestly, and just hearing from someone told me this, but um, someone said Buster might've had like a, a homosexual affair with a guy who died or something like that. And his dad found out and had him, the guy killed. I don't know if this is true at all. And where this man got this information, <laughs> just throwing this out there. No, well, I was telling you, Sean, about a, a special that was on CNN, a two hour special. It was either two or three hour special. I think it was a two hour special. It was on a couple of weeks ago. I, I texted you to let you know it was on that one night. And they really went through this whole, all, all the whole thing. I mean, they took you from, you know, his great grandfather and how he established roots in that part of the, you know, that state and yeah. all the way through the family history. And to make a long story short, um, this fella was living an alternate lifestyle, this friend of Buster's, and somehow something was going on. And the father was afraid that um, that relationship, because apparently there was some kind of something going on. The, fa- the theory is the father was afraid that that relationship was going to go public and, and uh, how it would affect him. Yeah. So if it was, you know, it, this is, you know, how, how that was going to affect him. So he's a selfish bastard, selfish, murdering, scumbag, sociopathic, uh monster, reptilian idiot. uh But uh, anyway, I digress. But basically, if anyone has been listening to the show, the basically the smoking gun was that Murdoch for 20 men, 20 months denied that he was at the dog kennels where his wife and son were shot to death. (laughs) Then, you know, he admitted that he lied about his whereabouts because they proved through like a Snapchat video or something like that, that it's on his son's phone. Um, that he was like around the dog kennels briefly that night before the murders took place. So he had to admit it. So yep. this guy was just getting, he was just, you know, he was hanging himself with his own words, basically. You know what I mean? So. Yes, sir. So um, he's justice gone. Was served. So, you know, good completion to the case. Justice was served. Two life sentences without a possibility of parole. Let's, let's go. LFG. Yep. Um, okay. So Brian Koberger, just a quick, quick update. 
the police searches Pennsylvania family home and car. Um, unsealed documents showed it. They found a knife, a pistol, computers, and hard drives. Uh, they're looking for evidence, obviously, in connection. Uh, they even collected notes um, by, that Koberger wrote, so that might yield some insights. Uh, a shop vac style vacuum. Well, the guy had a shop vac style vacuum. Vacuum. Uh, clothing, shoes, medical style gloves, and criminology books. The criminology books is not that interesting. Is that like he was studying that? But they also found a shovel, gloves, and goggles in his in his car. The guy had a shovel, gloves, and goggles. Um, so yeah, you know this guy's that's another because that's now we're gonna be that case is gonna be isolated for our show because obviously Murdoch's over with unless another case pops up. We you know we mess around and using the show too, but um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, Kohlberger, yeah, that that's probably open shut case too. That guy's probably guilty of sin, but I digress. Um, all right, so current event, current event, Joseph, Joseph Thurman. Um, we talked about this a little bit. This stuff happens a lot, the statues and whatnot. But this article popped up in the New York Times a couple of weeks ago. Um, basically, at Vermont Law School, um, there is a large mural. Uh, it depicts slavery, um, but it's not supposed to be racist. It's just supposed to be a moment in time in history. It's supposed to be a caricature. Um, it's about a 24-foot-long depiction of slavery. The artist is not racist. Uh, it's supposed to depict the brutality of slavery that includes scenes from a slave market, a slave owner wielding a whip, and an attacking dog. But it also shows white Vermonters protesting slavery and helping people escape their freedom via the underground Railroad. It's a very bold and colorful painting. It's more expressive than realistic. Um, it's inspired by Mexican muralists. Um, they had similar murals that were once nearby Dartmouth College. They they sparked calls for their removal, but this this wasn't an issue. Basically, the the, the teacher um, Shirley Jefferson, she's an African American. Mm-hmm. Um, she said uh, that you know those painting thirty years ago is a content con- it's condemned slavery. The artist's name is Sam Kirsten. He's white. Um, she said she really didn't care about the mural until Black Lives Matter started. She started thinking about it. She's like, man, we, we shouldn't have this up in the law school. But what what's happening now is um, the artist is fighting the removal of the mural because you can't just remove it. It's like a twenty four foot long mural, um, and it turns on the f- federal law. Um, artists is allowed to prevent modification of their work if the change would harm their honor or reputation. So the, the law school is trying to argue that covering the murals, even permanently, it's not a mod- modification. It leaves no mark. So there's a back and forth going on. He, the Kirsten, Mr. Kirsten, the artist, he's claiming that it's going to damage his reputation. He's going to suffer indignity and humiliation and having to cover put over his, his art. Um, you know, He's a native of Mass- Western Massachusetts, and I think Massachusetts is pretty liberal. You know, they're not really known for uh, their uh, conservative type people. Um, he lived in Vermont for decades before moving to Quebec 20 years ago. He's been influenced by the social realist movement. He does, so what I'm saying is this guy doesn't really have a, a racist bone in his body and didn't paint a 24-foot mural in a law school out of, like, hate. He did it to, like, show history and also show the white people helping – some of the black people escaped to the Underground Railroad. It's a very innocent type of mural, in my opinion. Yeah. But now all this stuff is going on where people are so sensitive and woke culture, cancel culture. Um, you know, th- it wasn't until 2020, until, you know, the, the whole Black Lives Matter and the movement where, you know, the professor concluded that, um, you know, inconsistent with the law school's mission. Um, but in 1993, when the murals were painted, the students of color only made up 10% of the graduating class. You know, now students of color make about make up about 25 percent of the class. Um, So, you know, it raises a question of free expression and whether or not the free expression violated um, in order to display the mural. I don't know. It sounds very like kind of I know I'm not a black person, so I don't know. I can't speak exactly how I feel to have this have this how this painting would be viewed and how I'd feel about it. Um, But. I don't know, man. It just seems like uh, people are tearing down artworks and statues. I can understand some of the statues that they tear down. Some of these like racist guys that they just want, they don't want them like, you know, 
immortalized and remembered and stuff, especially as a statue. But this is just like a some of them, right? Like a kind of an artistic expression of a mural, right? Yeah. Um, and this guy's. Do you think it's petty of him to challenge it in court? Do you think they should just let him cover, let the school cover up the painting? Do you think he's right for challenging this in court? I think he is absolutely right. Um, first of all, you know I like history, uh, and you just can't select the history you know you you want to display and just omit and forget about or your you know change history. The history we have in this country is is real. It happened, and he's depicting it and even without the white people who were you know in support of 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 freedom and so forth even if they weren't there it still wouldn't be out of line because it's it's historically accurate no one's saying hey look at these this is a great thing no they're not saying that i mean that would be different but they're displaying he's displaying history the way it happened and you would think in a learning institution you would think that they'd be open to that i mean you know look it, it, it not all history is, is stuff that we like but it's there and and especially in academia and in a law school i i would I, I think he's absolutely right and then you throw in the fact that there's there are white people there that they're showing you know the people like john brown and so forth the you know the abolitionists and and, and people like that uh, so I I I think I'm all for the artist. I'm all for depicting that. It's 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 not degrading. It's it's just being historically responsible. Historically responsible. And I I I'm all for the artist and his right to display that. And I'm against um, you know. Yeah, but the law school the, the thing about it is it's the law the law school, you know, it's their school. And just because an artist painted something in their school, they're kind of mad that they're not allowed to like legally just like get rid of whatever's in their school so there's a law you know basically it protects the artist it's a federal law it's obscure um it, the case has been in the courts for two years now it's in the u.s court of appeals um but it's one of those things which is interesting not necessarily the fact that it's like okay it depicts slavery right but um it's a matter of like free expression but also it's like just because the artist painted the painting at the law school you know, you can't obviously take the painting off the wall and transfer it to someone else. So we obviously the, the it's going to be covered up for life. They can't, you know, get it back to the guy. So I kind of feel like in the law school, like they do have the right to like alter, you know, it shouldn't, they shouldn't be handcuffed, right? They shouldn't, they shouldn't like just, you know, just because a painting is in their building, you know, they should be allowed to modify the building however they please, right? So, you know, say it was the most innocent painting in the world. Um, and they wanted to remove it. And the artist didn't want to remove it because this one kind of has some gray area. Like it, to- it depicts slavery, and some black people don't want the slavery depicted. They feel like it's offensive to them. Mm. Uh, the part, you know, the guy's just—he did it in the spirit of condemning slavery, so that's not the real issue. But right. um, some people are saying that it's racist caricatures of black people, and they don't like those. Fine, but I think the issue comes down for me. It's like it's like um, you know. The, the, like if I owned a house, for example, and I had like an historic painting in the house, an artist painted it. Um, I would want to like paint over the paint over that mural in my house if I wanted to. The fact that the law school can't just get rid of this mural if they want to is kind of like interesting to me. Yeah, I mean, you're looking at it from a legal standpoint. I'm looking at it more of uh, from a his- historical standpoint and, and a moral standpoint. I just think that I think that. Uh, works like that should be cherished, and uh, I I support his right to to be perturbed. I don't know how it's going to play out in the, in the courts, but I, I I can see I'd be I'd be sitting on his side in the courtroom, and you know so th- that's all I can give you with that. I yeah. I you yeah so? you don't like the law school like, yeah I don't know but so you think the law school like doesn't have they shouldn't have the right to just like cover up uh, well see and having the right is a legal type of jargon that I, I i i'm looking at it just morally i just think that he did this work it's great work it's historically responsible right he didn't sugarcoat it or change it he put it up just the way it was it's not too it's not you know too violent or anything like that or ridiculous in any way and it's been okay for all this time why all of a sudden yeah. you know it's basically the, what the case really turns on the language of the, the federal law because artists can they can prevent modification of the work 
if it harms their honor or reputation. So I guess just put myself in the artist's shoes. He strongly believes that his honor or reputation will be harmed. And honestly, I don't, I think, I don't think it would. I mean, unless you're in the artistic community and you're like, oh man, like, you know, that guy's reputation, like people in the law school are probably like, oh, that painting's covered now. No one will really think twice about it. And no one's going to care that this artist may mix their curse in that his, his mural was covered up. So I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think, uh, I think, I think the law school is going to win the case though. I really do. Yeah. And like I said, I don't know how it's going to play out legally, my personal feeling on it though. And, and you know how I, I feel about history. And I just feel it, I, we have a responsibility to, to maintain accuracy with, with regard to history and, and not just the history we, we like, but the history we may not like, but it's there. Yeah, because he basically he's part he was influenced by the social realist movement. They seek mm-hmm. to draw attention to oppression. So um he wanted the, the murals to describe the horrors of slavery and celebrate Vermont's abolitionist history. So his intent good. Yeah. Um and then the, the law school is a tiny progressive law school, so he thought it would be a perfect setting for it. So right. I guess he's just like he took a lot of pride in having this mural displayed in the law school, and now it's like you know, they want to just like take it down. So for now, I think they just have uh they're covered by white, the paintings covered by white panels. Um, it's not being damaged, but it depends on the, the court appeal. So I just thought this case was interesting and it is yeah. going to lead to a lot of discussion. Cause I don't know if the, it's like that song by Dave Mason, Dave Mason. I'm not right. You're not wrong. You're not, I'm not wrong. You're not wrong. That type of thing. Or, you know, we both just, there ain't no good guy. There ain't no bad guy. There's only you and me and we just disagree. Yeah. So, um, you know, it, it would be another thing if, if it was a clearly racist undertone, it was bad, it was racist, then I'd be like, yeah, get this thing off. But the fact that it's like doesn't seem to be that racist, I, I wish, you know, if we had a black person on the show to give their perspective, that would be more accurate than what I can give to you. But I digress. That's a story. And, um, you know, interesting story. So, yeah, good choice, Sean. They're yeah. going to be popping up all over the country, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. So keep, it, keep an eye on that. But anyway, let's move on to sports. The New York Knicks just beat the Miami Heat 122 to 120. Julius wow. Randle hit a three-pointer with two seconds left, it looks like. Big, we, I think we're on an eight, eight or nine-game winning streak, man. You big know what? Stop, big stop. I, I got a feeling that the Knicks are going to mess around and, and make a lot of noise in, in the playoffs here. I was telling I really my do. friends today at work, I was like, I think the Knicks can win the title. I'm, and I'm not being facetious. You know? <laughs> like, well, they've uh, had so much bad luck for all these years. Maybe it's maybe there's something going on. Because you know? there's, there's something magical happening with the Villanova connection between Brunson and Hart. But also, Julius Randle and Brunson play really well together. Um, mm-hmm. It's not out of the question, because I know the Bucks and the Celtics are considered the cream of the crop, like Giannis, and they have Celtics have Tatum and Jalen Brown, but the Knicks. Well, are- they lost tonight. I think. I think that. I think the Nets beat the Celtics tonight. So, but go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, that, yeah. It's actually the Nets did beat the Celtics tonight, but yeah, it's, I mean the Knicks beat the Celtics the last. Two, that's what I'm saying. The Knicks beat the Celtics the last two times they played them. Yeah. Um, it's not. I don't know, man. I have a lot of. It's not to outlandish to think you got four squads, right? You got your squad, my squad. You got the Celtics and you got the Bucks, right? In the yeah. East. Kind of the Cavaliers are in there too in the mix. Well, I, I think you reach it. Well, yeah, I can, but let you know, I'll, I'll cut it off at four. And I think those are the four. Uh, you know, I, so I think it could be interesting. And the, the, the Knicks are really surprising. I'm, I'm, I'm really saying. impressed. I'm, yeah. Yeah, I'm not going to argue with you there because yeah. uh, listen, they're, uh, I, I watch them as much as I can. Obviously, I have to sacrifice sometimes doing the show. That's fine. Because uh, I can watch, you know, I can watch replays of the game, whatever. Like next week, for example, they're on. They're not on Monday or Friday. I'll be able to watch all their games next week, so all good. But what I'm saying is, I've watched enough of the Knicks, and I've seen the vast improvement. I've seen what Jalen Brunson has brought to the table. He's kind of like a maestro out there. He's really amazing. He's not some super flashy athletic guy. Um, and my friend actually made a really great analogy. He compared him to Nikola Jokic from a, the Nuggets, who's obviously the reigning MVP. Oh, Joker, um, yeah. And he's not flashy, but he doesn't get Joker. the respect he deserves. And now Jalen Brunson is slowly entering that category because he's putting up gaudy numbers. Um, he's, you know, he's 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 easily scoring 25 a night, at least in the last 30 games, I'd say. Um, assist numbers aren't always high because, you know, some of the Knicks players don't always make the shots. But he's if you watch him, he's, he's putting the ball in good places. He's giving the guys good passes. So, But Josh Hart's addition is awesome. 
Um, but as far as the Sixers go, man, I mean, like I said, we talked about in the beginning of the show, last night's game, you know, they only lost by like seven points, but the Mavs, you know, when those two superstars are playing at that level that Kyrie and Luka did, it's really tough to win. You know what I mean? Yeah, and they both put up 40, I think. So, I mean, you know. He did his normal thing and beat had 35. Maxi actually played really well at 29. Carden at 27. So, it's just one of those games, you know what I mean? All their big, big players played well, but the Mavericks obviously, you know, they had more firepower last night. So well, I'm, I'm going to be watching um, very closely tomorrow night. It's going to be a bit. I don't care if they don't win the game necessarily, but I want to see how they go punch for punch with the the Bucks because that's going to tell me a lot about my squad. Yeah, I mean it's uh it's on uh, ABC. It's on prime time. Oh yeah, it's at eight thirty. Uh, I'm not sure or not, but you might be messing around taking some uh, edibles. I'm not sure. Um, it depends if I'm in pain. If I and if I got some back pain, it's better than reaching for the pain pills. Uh, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Some guys reach for booze. I don't know. I, I I may to relax. I may have an edible tomorrow, one or two. But uh, that's but that's, that's the point. It says they haven't played each other since November. That's a long time to go, especially in the Eastern Conference. But it says Philadelphia won the last matchup by eight points. But I, I it's surprising they haven't played since November. That's like. Look, let me look at the Sixers. It is weird. Because the Sixers, they're playing the Bucks tomorrow. They're playing the Bucks again? Let me see. No. Well, yep, they're playing the Bucks in early April. So they have a game versus the Bucks tomorrow, then another game versus the Bucks in April. Um, But honestly, I think the Sixers, the Knicks might actually be able to jump. If the Sixers lose a couple games, the Knicks might be able to jump the Sixers in the standings. The Sixers have a tough schedule. They have to play the Warriors, the Suns, the Nuggets, the Mavs. Yeah. Yeah, uh, they the have the toughest remaining schedule of all the teams. They have the toughest remaining schedule. Yeah, and I look at the Knicks' schedule is not tough at all. Our toughest right. game is versus like the Nuggets. Uh, but the Sixers are 40 and 22, you know, as of uh, before tonight's games, I believe. And the Knicks were 37 and 27. So, I mean, I'm focused on the Knicks. I want the Knicks to get, you know, to at least jump the Cavs because if they, if they get the four seed, it's going to help them immensely in the playoffs with some home court games. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll see. Yeah, it's it's going to be interesting, and out west, I mean, uh, the Lakers are done. It, it, that's they, they can't. I think not only the Lakers well, are done. Also, LeBron. Well, the Lakers, dude. Like, I think they, he's they're done. not. They got they made a great trade. They've been looking a lot better, but LeBron is hurt right now. You don't know. That's how what I mean. I think with him being hurt, they're done this year. And I think with him being hurt again to finish a season, I don't know. I think it's been three out of the last last four seasons or four out of the last five, whatever it's been, two out of the last three. But it seems like um, he's been ending seasons with with injuries, you know, the last couple of years. I think time's catching up with even the great LeBron. And I think this might be the beginning of the end for him, too. Dude, your body can't hold up. I mean, he's, he's had a hell of a run, but I mean, 38 years old, but, um, yeah, his plan is to play until his son gets drafted. He's got a son named Bronny James. Who's like a senior in high school. Uh, um, he wants to, he wants, he wants to play in the same team as his son. So if Bronny, I don't think Bronny's that good to be honest. He made the McDonald's all American. I don't think he is either, but he made the McDonald's all American game because he's related to LeBron. LeBron admitted that he's not one of the top 20 players in the country, in my opinion. He could prove me wrong in college, obviously, but he really made it because his, his name. That's just a, that's just true, you know. It's just the way it is. But yep. um, he's a good player. Last night he had a big game, some some like state tournament. He scored twenty one points, so he's a he's a very serviceable player. He hasn't chosen a college yet, but what I'm saying is, that, you know, I don't know if an NBA team's going to draft him after one year of college, or if he's going to go to college or go straight to the G League. But it's going to be at least two years at the minimum that he's going to be in the NBA, you know, till he gets to the NBA. So LeBron's going to be over forty at that time. So, you know, LeBron's, yeah, honestly, I think LeBron's going to play. I think LeBron, if he's healthy, if he doesn't like tear an ACL or rupture his Achilles, I think LeBron's going to play to at least 43, I think, man. Well, that's a, and that's my point. That's a big if. I think the injuries are going to start catching him, man. And he's going to, I think he'll probably let go of this pipe dream because I, I just, I, like you said, I don't think the kid's good enough. And I, don't, I think LeBron, I think Father Time's just going to, just going to catch up with him. Now I look at the West though. I look at it, it, Durant and the Suns. How's this thing going to, going to come together and them and Denver. I just look at the, I think it's a two, you know, a two team race out there. I really do. Yeah, I well, just think Suns, that's it. Tonight was Katie's first game in the Suns or was it the second tonight? Today's Friday. Second. He played one on Wednesday, right? Against Charlotte. So yes, yeah, you know, Katie messed around tonight and scored 29 and six. Um, <laughs> So yeah, I mean, with K- the addition of KD, it was at the expense of my guy from Villanova, Mikel Bridges, but 
Katie's a generational player, so I can't fully blame them. However, I'm a little angry because Mikel Bridges signed a, a deal in the offseason and he gave the Suns a really hometown discount. Um, he's worth more than he got paid, but then the Suns go and trade him. So it's like, damn, like that's kind of like a, you know, but they, they were going for the title. They got a new owner. The new owner got the deal done. He got KD. So it is what it is, but the Suns are looking pretty good so far with KD. I mean, I believe his first game the other night, did they win? They, they, you know, let's see. They, they, yeah, they beat the Hornets on Wednesday. Let's see what he did in his first game. What did KD do? KD had 23. So the first couple of games, he had 23, then he had 20. So yeah, you know, he, he's back. Yeah, he's back. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, I guess the news of the night is the Knicks won. Basically, the Knicks basically won a buzzer beater. I know there's one second left, but Julius Randle, shout out to him. Big shot for the Knicks. And I'm very proud. My co-host thinks the Knicks have a chance in the playoffs, which is not a lot of you won't hear a lot of people in sports talk say that. That might that might give the Knicks more respect now, but the fact that you're, you know, you're saying that, I'm, I'm very happy to hear that, dude. Yeah, no, and, and I mean that. I just, uh, you, you can sense certain things and and you sense maybe there's a little more going on here and maybe they're getting hot at the right time and maybe the basketball gods are going to say, hey, man, you guys suffered enough, you know. Uh, so, you know, it's been a while, right? It's been a long, long time since the New York Knickerbockers have won a championship. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but I'd say they could mess around and go deep and that would be a thrill, you know? So, yeah. and then who knows, you know, so yeah. it'd right, be yeah. a thrill for you, not for me, but I'd be happy for you. Yeah. You know? And then uh, as far as college basketball come, is going, uh, Villanova has been playing really well. Like I, I kind of predicted that like, once they got Justin Moore back and he got kind of healthy, they would be play better. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's been a couple of ranked teams recently. Uh, including Creighton and Xavier. Uh, they got their last regular season is tomorrow versus UConn. Uh, it's at home. I think it's, I think it's at the Wells Fargo Center. Um, and then they have the biggest tournament next week. So, you know, they have to win the biggest tournament to, to, to get to the tournament. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I don't think they're going to have a bye. They're probably going to be playing on Wednesday versus I'm guessing they're going to be playing DePaul or Georgetown. If I had to guess, I don't know. I, Cause I think it starts Tuesday. It depends who wins. So, you know, I don't know, but the, the Villanova, you know, we're getting prepped for the postseason. We don't know if we're going to be in the NCAA tournament. We don't know if we're going to be in the NIT. We got to perform in Madison Square Garden, the biggest stage. We'll see what happens. But, you know, that's sports for today. Uh, the show, all the social media links are in the description. Joe, the floor is yours, sir. Oh, how faint indeed are the footprints we leave in the sands of time. Good night. Take care, everyone.